This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Trump travel ban agitates tech community. And NCAR boots up five petaflop super. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, what everybody's talking about is the Donald Trump U.S. administration travel and immigration ban. Now, what we're looking at here is a ban on immigration uh, preventing citizens from Iran, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, Somalia, and Libya from entering the country. And this is done to protect our country's borders uh, and protect us from terrorism. But there are a lot of people in the scientific community and, and international community who are upset about this. And we're seeing some protests at, uh, at notable uh, tech campuses. Yeah, this doesn't affect the HPC community specifically, but I imagine a lot of people in this industry aren't too happy about this for various reasons. But there were, like you said, there were a lot of companies and, and uh, other organizations outside of HPC that, that have protested this uh, pretty vociferously. We, you know, we talked about, uh, or it's, it's been documented that Google, especially uh, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, uh, they're all, they've all spoken out about this. And a few of those are actually joining lawsuits against the federal government to prevent some of the uh, more onerous position or provisions of the uh, travel ban because some of those uh, some of those countries on the list especially Iran Iraq and Syria some of those have researchers and employees in those organizations and now they're prevented from traveling back and forth freely under the uh, under the travel ban yeah, this is more in the hyperscale community than the HPC community, to be sure. But we've already seen direct uh, statements from Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, uh, from Tim Cook at Apple. We've seen protests on Google's campus. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on with this. Now, it does, I think, spill over a little bit into the HPC world when you look at how does it affect our international standing in other predominantly Muslim nations in particular, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of huge HPC capabilities in those seven countries that are named, but there are in, in other Muslim countries like, uh, for example, Saudi Arabia, where you see Kaust and uh, Saudi Aramco or, or a couple of major HPC sites. And in fact, Kaust is about to host its global IT summit later this month and has invited uh, you know, notable people from or around the uh, the international HPC community, including uh, from the U.S. So, you know, to, now that's not directly the same seven countries, but you wonder how much spillover there's going to be in terms of uh, what this means for ongoing relations. Yeah, and I think I think the other uh, the other fear is that the conferences that are held here, I'm especially the supercomputing conference, the International Supercomputing Conference, um, might uh, prevent certain people from from coming here to attend. Now that that's a short list of, of countries, and the the HVC footprint in Iran, Iraq, and Syria is is ra- rather small. Uh, I think Iran has the the most capability at this point, but I think over and above that, I think it's. Uh, I think the community in general, the tech community and the HPC community included, is is just not on board with with these sort of restrictions. I mean, it's a a research and technology uh, t- 
type community and and they want it to be open they want to they don't want to have borders and things like this that are alienating other countries and other researchers and scientists this is this is inimical to to sort of the whole mission and uh, i think the fear is that there's just this this animus building up between the the research and tech community and the trump administration and it it doesn't seem like it's going to end well here well, now, we, to be fair, we should point out that there are those who would say there's a lot of animus already built up with those countries. And, you know, there are terrorists who are trying to attack the United States. And a, a travel and immigration ban is, is an effective way to keep terrorists from coming into the country. So at, at what cost? How much scientific collaboration are you willing to give up in order to make your country's borders more secure? Well, I mean, that was sort of the pitch. But here, the the ban, the travel ban, was against people that already had gone through vetting. So this was green card holders and and people with uh, visas that were in place. So, I mean, the, the argument there was these people had already been vetted if they were dangerous or not. And it just prevented sort of the people with the correct documentation from getting in and out easily. Um, but, yeah, the idea was to prevent ne'er-do-wells from getting into that a country but this this seems like a very ham-handed approach to that and i think the tech community sort of saw it that way and and was speaking out now now not everybody in this community was talking about there's a lot of people that really can't say very much there's people with federal contracts and and sort of the federal national labs and other organizations that can't really speak out about this but i i imagine behind the scenes people are not too happy about this and not too happy about sort of the implications of of restrictions and sort of alienating some of our uh, our other allies who have have also spoken out against this. Now, the Trump administration is has been one of its its uh, uh, platforms has been that it's pro industry, and now they're normally talking about things like oil and pharmaceuticals right. and. Uh, manufacturing, but these tech companies are are large companies. You know, Google, Apple, Facebook are huge, right. and to the extent that this uh, causes them to have more operations outside the United States because uh, they they don't want to have trouble bringing people to their offices, uh, that could be a downstream effect. Yeah, and I think this goes back to Trump's original uh, posture on the H one B program, and and. Everybody knew about this even before he became uh, president, that he was, you know, he spoke out against that. And, of course, many of the tech companies in this country depend upon that program to bring in a lot of their talent and to trade talent. So it, it's it's something that I think is going to be a tension between this community and the administration uh, going forward, unless uh, for some reason Trump changes his mind about uh, how immigrants and uh the tech community work together. So, you know, we'll just have to track this, but I don't foresee anything good coming out of this. I see more trouble down the road. Now, another thing we've been talking about with the Trump administration is his stance toward uh, public sector, federally funded public sector research, and particularly climate research. Now, we've got a new supercomputer coming into the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Wyoming, NCAR, and they've got a new five-petaflop supercomputer coming in, funded out of NSF money predominantly out of the previous administration, but it looks like they've, they've got this one in and it's up and running. Yeah, they, I think they installed it uh, sometime late last year. They got it in for a LIMPAC run, so it came up at... Uh, 4.79 petaflops on Limpac, and that was the, that earned it the 20th spot on the top 500 list. So it's uh, it's one of the larger computers in the world, obviously, and 
certainly the largest uh, supercomputer in Wyoming. Looking at some of the stats on that computer, its its name is Cheyenne, after the city in Wyoming where it is. This is an SGI system, which is now part of HPE, but still operating on the, the SGI brand. It's based on Intel Broadwell Xeon processors, and it's got a Mellanox EDR InfiniBand, right? Yeah, that's right. Also, we should mention it has 20 petabytes of data direct network storage in there. So it's uh, four separate systems that are hooked together. It's... Uh, like I said, it's 20 petabytes, but that's actually expandable to 40 petabytes, and the whole thing's been hooked in to NCAR's Glade uh, disk resource, which already had, I think, uh, something like 17, 17 petabytes in there. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of storage there, and that's courtesy of DDN, and I think that's running under uh, what used to be called G- GPFS, which is now Spectrum. Uh, so big file system on top of uh, a very big uh, system as well. And you point out in your article on top500.org that NCAR had traditionally been an IBM uh, site, but with the x86 uh, business moving over to Lenovo and the federally funded system, that might have prompted a change. Right. I think it's been basically IBM since 1999 of different ilks. The the former one was uh, an IBM iDataplex system. That was uh, Yellowstone that's still running there now. That's a 1.5 petaflop system, still big. I think it's going to run through the end of, of the year still. But all of those leading up to it, maybe with one exception, were IBM systems. But obviously with the sale of the x86 business to Lenovo, um, the U.S. government wasn't uh, wasn't inclined to, to buy a follow-on system on, on that pedigree, so they, they switched over to SGI. So that'll be another interesting system to watch. And in Wyoming, too, I think that I, I have not done the math on this, but I'm guessing Wyoming at the state level now has the most flops per capita. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I was thinking about that, too. I, I think you're right. It's probably that is probably the case unless we could find something in in North Dakota or somewhere that that uh, is like that. But uh, well, there yeah. would have been times I would have said Alaska was likely with yeah. the Arctic region supercomputer center up there. But I think, uh, I think Wyoming now takes that title. Yep. Let's touch one more story this week in HPC, Michael. It wasn't in our taglines at the top, but we've got to revisit a story from two weeks ago on this week in HPC. We talked about this Carnegie Mellon bridges, supercomputer teaming up with a, uh, a casino in Pittsburgh, and they were going to have a rematch of their, AI poker playing software doing four one-on-one heads-up Texas Hold'em matches against human poker players. This was codenamed Labratus, was the uh, was the poker playing software. And after a two-week tournament, how did the computer do, Michael? Uh, the computer wiped them out. It it, it really it, it beat all four of the players, and there it aggregated uh, well over a million dollars. In fact, almost two million dollars in winnings over over the four um, professionals who lost various amounts, usually in the in the six-figure range apiece. But yeah, Labratus uh, was was victorious in a rather spectacular manner over the uh, the four players. And it wasn't a big surprise to uh, a lot of people, but I think to those players and to maybe some of the rest of the poker community, uh, I think the, the margin of victory was a little bit surprising. Yeah, when this experiment was run pre was run previously, the uh, the computer held an early lead, and then the human started figuring out the computer's patterns and came back. Here, the computer jumped out to a three day lead, and then the humans battled back and had largely evened the score after six days. 
and you started to get the sense that the tide had turned and the humans were going to run away with it. Not so. That was about it. Pretty much the rest of the way out, the the computer was cleaning the humans' clocks. Now, the humans don't have to pay up all that money. In fact, they get paid right. a reward for participating in the experiment. And uh, one of the poker pros was even quoted as saying, you know, usually – uh, well, it's always a learning experience to play against some other superior player, and this time you didn't have to pay for the experience. So that was a, a good uh, good learning experience for the poker players involved. Yeah, from what they said, they actually learned a lot. I mean, Libratus did some very interesting moves and, and strategies, and the poker players said, yeah, I, mean, I think it'll it'll sort of raise the game for human poker players as well, uh, sort of studying what happened there. But... Um, from the AI point of view, from the machine learning point of view, this is, I think this is actually a very significant milestone. I mean, this was not something that we've seen in, in other areas where it was sort of just uh, sort of statistically looking at things like you talk about, you know, looking at uh, trying to identify faces or doing text-to-speech or something. This was one of those uh, applications that they call, quote-unquote, imperfect information. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't have the information they really need to to do a real uh, a definitive calculation here. So there was really a lot more intelligence in that sense in an application like this than maybe in some of the other so-called AI applications we've been talking about. And and this pertains to a lot of applications out, certainly outside of gambling and poker that this might be applied to. So uh, I think the the team wrote some software that I think is going to have some legs and it's going to, we're going to see it in other areas that uh, apply more directly to, to businesses and other activities that uh, I think are going to be very interesting in the years to come. Yeah, in particular, they talked about other types of business uh, scenarios where you operate with incomplete information, such as auctions or negotiations. Right. And if you get AI getting really good at negotiation, uh, that could be a, a game changer for a lot of businesses. Yeah, it sure could. I mean, you can just envision, I mean, basically negotiations could be, uh, you could have AI negotiating against each other and <laughs> doing things like this. It could become a sort of very interesting way to do business going forward. So uh, I think this uh, this technology is, is going to have some ramifications down the road and uh, maybe in the not-too-distant future. Well, congratulations to Labratus and to yep. uh, Carnegie Mellon University. That's, that's an impressive milestone for artificial intelligence winning their professional poker match. And that'll wrap us up for another week this week in HPC. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.